you are speaking about partnership and certainly ACE over the last 20 years has pushed that right at the front of a, as, as its priority. Uh, partnerships and collaboration with other members of the arthritis community. It seems to me uh, during ACE's lifetime, um, when it comes to awareness raising and advocacy, a lot of it has been done through partnership and collaboration. And that's really, um, you know, the focus has been, you know, to start debunking myths. And I would like to hear from you just about some of these partnerships um, that have helped sort of raise awareness of the true nature of arthritis, a hundred more, hundred different types of arthritis. It's not an old person's disease. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the burden, the economic burden, um, what it means to healthcare system, but what it means to society. Maybe you can touch on some of these partnerships. And I'm thinking, you know, uh, within the Canadian uh, community, but also maybe internationally as well. Sure. Um, well, as I said at the very start, one is a lonely number, and that's true for an organization as well. It, it is, I have a, as you know, I have a sport background, a, a team sport background. And to me, you know, trying to win at something is, is not only more rewarding uh, to do as a team, as a, as a national village of arthritis organizations or an international village of arthritis organizations, but you can get, you can attain your goal more quickly and you can find uh, voices and expertise that fills the gaps that we would have. We're, we're a grassroots patient organization. We are not a research organization. So from the very beginning, it was critical for us to partner with research. And I think that's probably one of ACE's unique bench strengths as an organization. Um, and, and I guess foremost among those partnerships would be with Arthritis Research Canada, who founded, I think, only months following ourselves. So it was interesting. We went through our organizational infancy um, together and it was uh, not only sort of that respectful sharing of information and, and some, some in many ways a shared vision of how researchers and patients can work together to, to advance um, the gain of knowledge and the application of it out in community. Um, but just that the, the, the Arthritis Research Canada was very willing to help our organization learn and to produce credible fact-based information. So they remain our scientific advisor, um, as well as many advisors across the country. We're very, very fortunate um, to have so many uh, sort of um, researchers or uh, institutions who do work in research to lean on. Um, so I think that partnership has been so essential uh, to us. I would be remiss in also equating at the same level our partnerships with our fellow patient organizations. Mm -hmm. Of course, in Canada, we had the Arthritis Alliance of Canada, which just completed its, I think it was 14 year miss mission. Um, and we were very fortunate. Um, I was uh, on the board of the Alliance uh, early in its early days. 
We were very involved in the development of the inflammatory arthritis models of care, bringing the perspective of our organization and the people that we serve to that conversation. And then, Kelly, moving the work of models of care, which is really the experience I have, identifying my symptoms, going, wait, this swollen finger isn't right. This pain in the ball of my foot isn't right. Ranging to getting my diet, getting a referral, getting a diagnosis, dealing with medical management, shared care, which is the coordination between the people that I may, may need to see in the healthcare system. And then finally, how do I go out in the world and be my best self? How do I live my best life? That is what a model of care is. And ACE, I think, has provided real national and, and now international leadership through the creation of the Global Arthritis Network. And the Global Arthritis Network actually conducted a very large survey that looked at the state of models of care through our eyes. How did I experience the model of care for inflammatory arthritis in my country? Um, and we did that in 24 different countries in, I think, 18 different languages. And we had a massive, massive learning from that. We presented the work at the American College of Rheumatology. We were one of the darling posters at that, at that particular meeting. Um, lots of interest because it was so novel. Um, and that could only have happened in partnership. And this is why, uh, while we have many, com you know, a lot of common ground to walk on, we have a very specific ground, only one organization may walk, choose to walk across. Um, but together, we're so much stronger uh, than just the, 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 the N of one. Um, the N of many can change arthritis. So you've been a leader in Canada and internationally, uh, working with other uh, members of the community to gather this data, to develop these tools, to develop frameworks. And I guess the next step is then, you know, what do you do with them? And I guess that leads us to advocacy. And that is, it's great to have this data, it's great to have the tools, but then what are you going to do with it? And what are you going to ask ACE members and other patients across uh, Canada and internationally to do with them? So what are some of the examples of where or how um, ACE has helped to amplify the patient voice and make sure it was heard by decision makers? Uh, decision makers in government, decision makers uh, in, the, in the private health care or private health insurance worlds. Um, what, uh, I guess, what are some of those notable programs that ACE has developed over the 20 years to help with that? Yeah, I think, first of all, all of our educational programs fall under the banner of joint health education or joint health family of programs. And they take on different forms. And, and the reason that is, is because every person likes to receive information in a different way. They may like to see something monthly or bi-monthly. They may want to receive breaking news. And for those types of people, we've created Joint Health Insight, which is our deeper look at a particular topic. Um, we look at uh, Joint Health Express, that is our breaking news publication. So that would uh, include news on newly launched programs, either by us or by our community partners, 
um, a decision taken by government, uh, a, a process by which we're looking for the public to input into government decision-making processes. So that would be through Joint Health Express. We also wanted to keep to hold government to task, Kelly, and specific to medications, medication reviews by Health Canada, then for pricing by the Canadian um, uh, drug review process, uh, then by provincial formulary review processes and, and ultimately onto provincial formularies or private formularies for that matter. Um, we noticed there were real laggards um, it, out there and what we wanted to do was not to be mean to particular provincial governments, but rather starkly show the inequality between provinces when Canadians like myself living with a very serious form of autoimmune arthritis are being told they have universal coverage. Well, that's not true. We know that drug coverage in the country is not universal. So our report card on, on biologic, biologic response modifier listings was where we started to say, okay, here's the benchmark. Here's where you all sit and we are going to grade you or rank you month over month. And I have to say this is generally regarded in the community as um, a, a great innovation because it, it showed in real terms where one, patients could get information quickly about what might be covered or not. And two, it showed government. It showed both the po politicians and the bureaucrats how they were doing. And, and mostly over the years now, Kelly, that's been around for about 15 years. It's updated every month online. We do print a, a, a publication annually and send it out, uh, resources permitting. Um, but it is the most up-to-date source on reimbursement, provincial reimbursement listings in the country for uh, all types of medications related to arthritis, now including obviously targeted small molecules um, a, a, as well as conventional synthetic DMARDs, all of which are genericized. Uh, and of course now the latest sort of class of biologics, if you will, um, uh, biosimilars, we're also now tracking um, biosimilars. I would say the digital and social media platform that we've built, Kelly, there are 11 different channels that send information out and that's the way we reach uh, these, you know, quarter million or 300,000 Canadians multiple times a month is through this terrific um, platform. And then I think uh, most recently, uh, when we hear from government and we hear from our private payers and we experience as patients ourselves the tightening of budgetary screws, um, we really wanted to see how we could work with government, how we could work with clinicians and researchers to ensure that we are getting the best bang for our buck in the healthcare system. You, you've and taken us through... Um the advancements in knowledge raising, the advancements in treatment, the advancements of models of care. Um, and you've also briefly looked at the future. And the future, um, you know, for, for these governments and private health insurers, the future doesn't look great because the pressures are going to continue to mount. And that is, 
Um, 20 years from now, one out of four Canadians are going to be living with arthritis. That's going to be tens of billions of dollars that it's going to cost the healthcare system and society. And I guess I, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm going to. And that is, you know, if you do have that crystal ball handy in your home office there, do you see um, there being hope towards creating these frameworks that are going to be recognized federally, but also across the provinces as it relates to models of care? And there, there are issues right now with, you know, early arthritis triage, that if we can get people um, referred earlier, get them diagnosed earlier, get them on the right therapies sooner, it's going to ease that, that crunch that we're living with now that's only going to be getting worse over the next couple of decades. What, uh, what do you see ahead for us? Uh, well, you know, I'm not going to suggest that my crystal ball is showing the perfect uh, picture in, inside it, but I'll tell you what I hope to see. How's that? I hope to see a much closer um, overall, much closer attention paid to osteoarthritis. It is the big driver uh, of, of direct costs within the hospital uh, setting. Um, it also drives over-the-counter sales, which comes right out of your and my pocket, Kelly. You know, these are things patients with osteoarthritis are walking through pharmacy doors every day, plunking down hard-earned money, but in actual fact, the evidence doesn't support the use of many of those things. So uh, it, it has been long known that trying to be at your ideal body weight reduces the chance of getting osteoarthritis. So prevention. So this is primary prevention. But no one has put a campaign behind it. The government hasn't put a campaign behind it. And they are the ones that, would, that stand to, to, to reap the greatest benefit in terms of cost savings. But societally, we can avoid uh, a lot of pain and bodily punishment, if you will, uh, by simply having that piece of information at our disposal. So one would think that uh, we would want to engage in a broader public awareness piece around the linkage between physical activity or lack thereof and development of a type of arthritis that is the most prevalent in Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, of this uh, more than 6 million um, uh, Canadians who have uh, arthritis, the vast majority are, are, have osteoarthritis. And osteoarthritis isn't a disease of the elderly. It, you can detect changes on x-ray in teenagers. Uh, I have lots of friends who in their 20s have had hip replacements because of a, 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 a disease that has a biological process to it. Um, so there's still many things we don't know about osteoarthritis. It's never been the disease that's been the sexy one to do research in. Um, but more and more, uh, I would, that's what I would like to see moving forward. And in terms of our community of, of, of members and, and the public living with an inflammatory arthritis, it is that uh, we now have a number of really good therapies available to us they're still not the silver bullet, Kelly. They don't 
they don't end the disease. So while my disease is well controlled, it takes a whole cocktail of medications on a weekly and monthly basis for me to be that way. And what people with arthritis, all types of arthritis, is they want the, the penultimate answer, right? Which research brings us. So I would hope to see in my crystal ball a big, big increase in research into musculoskeletal diseases overall. An investment, if you will, made by government. Arthritis is still one of the lowest funded disease areas in the country. Yet in terms of burden, it is one of the most burdensome. It is the most burdensome in the workplace. So it pays for employers uh, to, to participate in this conversation as well regarding increased research. And we're lucky to have Dr. Deanne Lacay as one of our key advisors. She's been featured on a number of our programs. Um, so I guess that's uh, who's expert, by the way, in this, in this area. So in terms of vision, Kelly, I guess those are some of the things that organizationally we want to talk about. We want to talk about the need for increased research funding, along with others in our community. We're not alone in that, in that uh, cry. Um, and also uh, to pay more attention to um, the biological causes of osteo osteoarthritis, but also the environmental causes. Um, things like you know, our diet, our nutrition, our, our mental health uh, awareness. Um, mental health challenges in arthritis are significant. Um, they, so when we talk about, we know well because of great public awareness campaigns in Canada that, that mental health, depression, these are really, really prevalent in society. Well, guess what drives a lot of that? What drives a lot of that are, are a constellation of chronic diseases, arthritis being one of the big ones. So if we're gonna address mental health, we have to address arthritis, we have to address those things together. So I guess those are some of the things I hope to see in my crystal ball. Um, and, uh, and we look forward to being part of, of, of making those kinds of positive changes. Well, I think, um, I think ACE, but particularly under your leadership, um, has inspired a lot of patients and of course what we're talking about now as we look ahead is there's going to be a next generation of leadership and i think your example is a great one and to make these things happen it's not really going to be up to you and i it's going to be up to that next generation of, of advocates and patient leaders and um i think you've set and the organization has set an incredible example for them well, that's very kind of you, Kelly. I have to say that my early mentors uh, were um, not in arthritis because this didn't exist. What we have today as a community didn't exist when I um, first founded Arthritis Consumer Experts. So I looked to the HIV AIDS community. You know, Louise Binder was, was my earliest mentor. I looked to Pat Kelly in breast cancer advocacy. So I had to look outside of arthritis to see champions and try to emulate them. And I'm so thankful to those communities for almost having written the playbook in some ways for how you go about and do, in doing the work of ACE in a responsible, equitable, meaningful way. And I think also our supporters, Kelly, we've had support um, from uh, both the public sector and private sector 
in Canada and internationally. Uh, we've had um, such great support from our research partners. We just could not do that, uh, the work we've done over 20 years or the work we hope to do for the next 20 years without that support. And we sincerely thank them for that. Well, thank you for spending time with us and our viewers today. I can't promise you that you and I will be doing this 20 years uh, <laughs> in, in 20 years to look back at the Good next- Good Lord, I hope not. But, um, but we are, uh, we are going to continue uh, the good fight and continue to serve uh, our patient community across Canada and internationally. So thank you again, Cheryl. Have a great day. Thanks. Thanks to you and, and all of Team ACE. It's such a great, it's just such a great place to live your work life. Thank you, Kelly.